Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, quickly, still in the mood of prayer, let's take a declaration that God will speak to us today as we look at the word and continue praying afterwards. All right, the Lord is good. All right, quickly, let's take our declaration. Those who don't know it by heart, you can wave frantically like you're drowning. Somebody will save you with a piece of floating paper. Okay. All right, you all know it. All right, let's do it. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. What is entering my heart? It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Right, let's quickly take our seats. Quickly. Alright, let's continue looking at this power of Christ for healing our physical bodies. Again, I'd like us to continue by reading from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21. Again, I'd like to read, I'll first read for us in um, another version, then we'll go to the Amplified, just to pick a particular verse out for emphasis. Again, there are many serpents in life. We saw that last time. Medical science, we gather them into groups. Serpents derived from physical forces. Serpents derived from infections. Serpents derived from um, gen- genetics, somebody's gene, something's wrong somewhere. There are all kinds of serpents, and they do bite. They do bite. They do bite. They cause infirmities. They cause ailments. Let me say this quickly. All those physical serpents you see are controlled by a spiritual force or by spiritual forces. Here you see physical serpents coming to bite the people, and the force that commanded that was the judgment of God against their grumblings. The Bible says that the moment, and that's in verse 5, the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we lose this miserable food. Very careful when you grumble against the food you have. I said last time, one of the best foods that God gave us around here is this granulated, you know, particles from cassava. Mani hot utilisima. Hallelujah. Amen. We process it into dry, coarse powder. And then we call it what? Gary. That's an anointed name. Hallelujah. And people despise it. If they enter your house and you're soaking Gary and it's not yet 12 o'clock, they just know you lost your job or you work for ASU. <laughs> Eight months, no salary. That's why you are doing it. It's called losing the food. You understand? Instead of you to give thanks for it and rejoice. All right? So, these people murmured against God, and the judgment of God came against them, and that guided the serpents. Do you follow? 
And there are many forces. They are spiritual that guide these physical things we are talking about. Testimony I read from John G. Lake. There was a plague in South Africa at the time when he was a missionary. And one of his men went to the bush to go and pray. And that man was, was praying there for days. Meanwhile, he was ministering to the sick, laying hands on the sick, and ministering to them, and helping the medical people, and doing all kinds of things, including even helping them bury the dead. Yes, all kind, because it was just a te- devastating epidemic. And then one day he returned to this guy and said, how is it going? The guy said, I have a feeling that if I get help today, I'll be able to break through. Now, we won't go into the details of what that breakthrough meant. But he joined the man and they began to pray. And they received mercy from God. All right? And as a result, what happened was that they suddenly had the vision. And they saw the demons that were killing people, the serpents, spiritually now. All right? All over the countryside. So they began to chase after them. This is spiritual activity. And they drove them out of the region. In the name of Jesus, having received mercy from God for the land. And then, next day, the plague began to die down. Do you get my point? People will have, you know, the WHO will come and write what, the, what doctors in the last, uh, the health workers in the last two weeks. They will say that's what brought the results. But it's not true. It's because a man remained on the mountain for days. He was praying. And his friend came and joined him, and they continued to pray until they triggered mercy. And God opened their eyes, and they took authority over, which God had given them, you know, not just taking the authority recklessly. All right? They took authority, and then that plague came to an end. Do you understand? Yes, sir. In Nigeria, then, when Ebola came in, people think, of course, I saw CNN analyze what happened. And they said, because Nigeria has an established health structure, functional. When they finish describing our health structure, I have to open the door and check which country I'm inside. Because, you see, it's the same country they tell me every time nothing works. But they have to say it like that. Because that man brought Ebola into Lagos, landed in Lagos, they took him to a co-hospital there, and then he infected a number of people. The doctor that took care of him, the woman had a very good suspicion, you know, and she suspected, and quickly, the man wanted to leave. She had to retain him, virtually detain him by force in the hospital. Had to get authorities that this man is not going. We think he has Ebola virus disease. And of course, she caught the virus. Many of her doctors and nurses caught the virus. And she died after some weeks. She died. The thing spread around a bit, okay, and killed a number of people. Some people took it to different parts. I think one man died in Calabar. No, he didn't die. He ran to Calabar. He called his doctor. All right, doctor came to take care of him in a private room, I think in a hotel. He survived. The doctor died. Yes, all kinds of things happened. Still remember the story I like to tell. A particular nurse that, had, that you know, they, they did contact tracing. So anybody the person has, like now, if they say the person went for Bible study, they will get the names of everybody that comes here for Bible study and go to their homes and lock them in there. You're not going out. <laughs> yeah. They did that. They did that extensively. And it, it really you know, was effective, it looked like. One particular nurse came to Anambra. She's from Anambra State. She came there for a, When they looked, what they said she went for a wedding. Where? In Anambra State. Yeah. They sent two ambulances, one for her, one for her husband. Locked them in the ambulance and took them back to Lagos for isolation. All right? Good enough. They were both fine. But that was how intense the reaction was. So after a few weeks, the whole thing ended. They declared Nigeria Ebola free. This is where I'm going. So they said, how did it happen like that? He said, because we have this structure and we have this, <laughs> all kinds of things. Listen, my people. We're talking about Lagos. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You see, that man entered one more way. 
How will you know who entered that mallway? They can say, I just laughed. So what they overlooked was that as soon as we heard the news, even before he arrived, prayer had begun. So we cried to God for help, and he showed us mercy. And because of his mercy, you understand? Of course, it's an evil spirit. The evil spirit was pushed back. And then every other thing we are describing now is a manifestation of what? That mercy. And we, we are used to it. We obtain his mercy a lot of times. And can I just quickly drop this? Many places, many times we don't obtain that mercy is because we don't ask for it. I see the way Christians are already commenting on the next election. It's so sad. It's so sad. It's so sad. They are there analyzing candidates every day. They are there analyzing who is good, who is bad, who to support, who not to support. And I say, what kind of foolishness is this amongst Christians? Pastors are donating their pulpits for mobilizing for individual candidates. At the end of the day, no matter who wins the, um, the election, if that's how we all behave, the person will never succeed. Why? Success is spiritually determined. So when we are not winding, can I use that expression? Generating spiritual power. We're not winding our machine to generate spiritual energy. We think it's political mobilization. We foolishly pick a human being. And say, this is the source of deliverance. And God said, okay, give them King Saul. And they will rejoice. When they got King Saul, don't forget they rejoiced. That's what happens. I've seen Nigerians sometimes point at this man. This one is King Saul. This, and this, David is coming. I'm laughing. I said, the way you are going, second Saul will appear. You continue like this, third Saul will appear. You don't get it. It's very, very painful. People still think, you know, the other day, I watched a video of somebody, a Chinese man who lives in the U.S., okay, analyzed the Chinese one-party system and showed how far better their one-party system is compared to the routine democracy America will use. And then he showed the effect they've had over many years. You know, I looked at it. According to his analysis, which I believe totally, all right, on the natural plane, all right, American democratic system should not succeed. And it doesn't make sense, you know. The general population does not have enough information to elect a good leader. Let me ask you a question, all right? Well, would you like people to vote on the doctor who treat you? Who are those voting? Market women, lawyers, engineers, um, mothers at home, architects, drivers, you know, diggers, professors of economics are going to vote on the doctor that will take care of you. So if they wanted to vote, it's the only doctors you vote. Does that not make sense? They will know the good ones amongst them. But now they know democracy, the doctor that will take care of you will be voted for, for by everybody, including the jobless people who are begging on the street. Once they're adults, they can vote. And when they say, okay, the society have voted that Dr. Kilimanjaro will do your surgery. Won't you say that I'm not sick again? <laughs> you'll get well automatically. Why? Because it doesn't make sense that ignorant people will be the one to dis- dis- decide for you who's the best, best health care giver concerning somebody that has never taken care of them. But then that's exactly what we do with democracy. It's precisely what we do with democracy. Where am I going? I'm not, I don't want to teach on politics now. I'll give you my own personal opinion on the kind of government that we should use. And really, I think China has the closest. I never even knew that. They are the closest to the type I had advocated for a long time. I've always said, you have to be trained to be a leader before you're eligible to be voted for. Come on, give me a certificate. You have to go through 20 years of training, which is what China does. China will train you for over 40 years before you're eligible to lead China. 
they will teach you for over 40 years before they consider you eligible. They start with over 100,000 people, training them little by little. I don't want to talk about Chinese system now. What I want to bring up is that when I saw that analysis, I said, this prosperity is really a gift of God. America went because they misunderstand the source of prosperity. You know what they've done? They've tried to export their own type of democracy to every part of the world. And when it gets to the Arab countries, it always collapses. They don't understand that. It can't work. Ah, it gets there. It always fails. All, all the time it will fail. The Arab countries usually are stable when they have a strong ruler. Now, where am I going with all of this talk? After observing everything, I realized that God either prospers you or he doesn't. It's not your system of government. Nigerians keep on saying what we need in Nigeria is true federalism. Have you heard that thing before? Please stop saying it because it's not true. Not because what you have is better than true federalism, but just that it will not solve your problem. It will create another set of problems. And you will wish for something else. Why? Is that how God blesses you or he doesn't? So what you should do is look for his Mercy. Because what happened was that Nebuchadnezzar thought, is this not Babylon the great? How did it become great? I built it. How? Strength of my might. For what purpose? The glory of my majesty. I know how to do it. Anywhere you take me to, I build another Babylon. Take me down to the western coast of Africa. I will build a Babylon for them there. You take me to North Africa. I will build Babylon for them there. You take me to Australia. I will build Why? I am the great Nebuchadnezzar. The builder of great nations. Because said, oh foolish Galatian, who has bewitched you to think that this thing came out of you? So what we're going to do, we're going to make you crazy. We'll make you relevant for a certain period of time, seven seasons, the Bible says. And what was the glory of God? Babylon became greater in the absence of Nebuchadnezzar. So when they returned, they said, now I worship the God of heaven. Why? I have realized that Babylon did not become great because of the strength of my might. And it was never for the glory of my majesty. Why did Babylon become great? Because God in heaven determined it so. That's an aside for Christians in Nigeria. I beg. Let's stop being foolish. Political mobilization is not what you need. What we need is spiritual mobilization. Tell believers, repent. We're talking about, I'm sorry, I was talking to Pastor Corey this afternoon, just before I came up, you know, about two hours ago. And he and I were discussing, talking about the corruption in Nigeria. And he said something which is so true. He said the painful part is the number of Christians who are involved. That the assignment we need, we have now, is to tell Christians, come out from amongst them and be separate. Tell your children, no matter what happens, you will never cheat. I was telling my children this morning, we were talking in the house. I said, even if it means you will not go to university. I said, listen, I, you will not go. You will stay with me at home. I will train you with online courses, you will go and learn a trade. I said, but nobody will persuade me that you can't move forward in Nigeria without you cheating and getting involved in some Urukuru course activities. Now, for those of you who can't speak English, just leave that, all right? We'll teach you later, all right? The Urukuru course things, all right? To make it into the lexicon in about 15 years, don't worry about it. <laughs> I said, no, you won't. That we are going to, we are determined I won't follow this path. That's what Christians need. That's what Christians need. Pastor Craig was, was lamenting. He said, these days you see students who are threatened by lecturers and by things in their acting, in their faculties. And their reaction is shocking. 
He said, those days, nobody negotiates. We'll come to fellowship and pray that we'll not compromise the foregone conclusion. That we'll not compromise, will be a foregone conclusion that leave that thing. We are not compromising. As I one young woman who was on campus. One confrat boy said, you are my girlfriend, you can't go away. The girl said, I've given my life to I'm nobody's boy girlfriend. The guy was talking, talking nonsense. The guy ran to fellowship. And my brother used to pray dangerous prayers. I wasn't there personally, but one brother who was there personally gave us the gist. And I knew the, some of the people involved. Some of those guys who led the prayers. And they talked, when she reported the matter, they said, that's not the hard thing. They cursed him in the name of the Lord. I feel sorry they did that, but that was what they did. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit that gave it to them. If you don't want to repent, that's your problem. The boy decided to cross the road in front of UBTH to the opposite side to go and buy something. The car come from Lagos, took him off the road, threw him into the air. He hit his head on the road and died on the spot. And the girl was free. See, that's the kind of activity where, that's what Christianity, do you follow my point? Lecturer will be threatening. God will do that because, no, this guy is not planning to compromise. I will out, he said, avenge me of my adversary. It's a very serious prayer. The Lord is good. See, we're talking about serpents biting. That's why I got into that. Don't tell Nigerians. See, if you pray effectively, real prayer, God answers. Not that we are just wasting our time now. We say church is gathering, mobilizing. If you don't get your favorite, don't come for service. I won't come. Why should I even go for that service? The service that I need my PVC to enter is not a serious service. It's not a serious service. Even if I wanted to vote before, once you tell me that, I will go and throw away the PVC so I can go to another church. Where's your PVC, Pastor? I don't have. Did I say we shouldn't vote? Did I say so? I just said that's not the focus of the church. I have my PVC. Even if I don't need to vote, I used to travel. Any government issued ID, I show it to you. But it's not the deliverance. It's just our civic duty. It's our civic duty. Any pastor that's shouting that we should get our PVC, should also shout we should get our tax numbers. Yes, because they are both civic duties. You can't tell who are not paying tax. They should go and get PVC. What's wrong with you? They should do both. Say, where's your PVC? Where's your TIN number? Tax ID. <laughs> if you're a pastor... We want to emphasize PVC. That's the point I'm trying to make. But that's not our focus. As Christians, that's not our focus. So these serpents, I'm trying to emphasize again, they are controlled spiritually. So when that serpent wanted to bite us in this nation, that's why I went to do that. We prayed and God had mercy on us. When they began to threaten that COVID is going to ravage everywhere, we went back to pray again. That's, what, that's why I went to do that. Do you know anytime we pray sincerely, we get results. So what Satan does a lot of times to prevent us from getting results is to trick us not to pray sincerely. It's a trick. It's a trick. So when answers, remember answers? How many remember answers? That answers that ended, you know? <laughs> when it started that time, I look, Christians welcome open arms. I said, this, 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 the rider that came first, or death, we prayed, it went away. This one came to destroy. We welcome with open arms. Because we thought that it was deliverance of God from maybe the, the, the government. So instead of us to say, no, you won't stay here. It degenerated into a lot of destructions. People died, all kinds of things. And we are feeling very, very happy. We welcomed it. You know, that's one thing. If they threaten us with famine, it will never happen. Do you know that? In Nigeria, if they threaten us with famine, we know how to pray. This, we will repent so fast when in church. <laughs> 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask of you. Uh, God will say, okay, it will not be. But they say, whoa, I'm going to destroy this government. Ah, I say, God, do it, do it. Then when he does it, Wahala starts. Say, why? He say, you fell for a trick. You thought your deliverance was from man. Now, please, back to the main thing. So, different kinds of serpents exist. They bite because they are spiritually controlled. That's where I'm going. The spiritual control is what we Christians tackle. There is no game of chance on this earth. There is no game. There is no chance. A child of God does not die by accident. Even if he or she dies in a road traffic accident, it's not really an accident. It's not an accident. There are no accidents. You don't get to hospital by accident. You're on the bed for a whole week being treated by doctors and nurses. It's not an accident. Something caused this. It's a spiritual activity that caused the serpent to bite. That's just an aside. But our focus in this series is the deliverance. So he said, let's continue reading verse 6. The Lord sends fairy serpents among the people. And they beat the people, that is the serpents, beat the people. So that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. Because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fairy serpent and set it on a standard. And it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a standard or a pole. And it came about that if a serpent beat any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. Verse 9. That's what I just read now. I will read it in the classic amplified version. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fairy serpent of bronze. No, verse 9, sorry. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked at the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. And he said in John, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whosoever believes in him as in John chapter 3, we live. So we have seen here the meaning of believe is not to answer an altar call. I hope you're getting my point. People tell you that, uh, you know, once you've answered an altar call, mm -mm. to believe means to hold on to Jesus. To believe in him means to hold on to him. You have not believed in Jesus unless you became a disciple. Anyone who has an, answered an altar call, now listen to this, I want to say, I want to be categorical about it. I am not mincing words. Is it truth? The whole truth and nothing but the truth. You are not born again because you answered an altar call. You are born again because you became a disciple. I hope you are getting my point. What makes you a believer is that you became a disciple. Many people answered altar calls and walked away. They gave Jesus their lives. As soon as they left the service, they took it back. And somebody now lied to them. Makes them a church um, worker. Makes them a um, uh, what do you call it? A, a, a deacon. 
As long as they are giving offerings and, are, and they are regular in church. And it says that once you are saved, you can never lose your salvation. Unfortunately, I doubt whether they were ever saved. Somebody said, did you ever acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he says, yes, that means you were saved. That is not true. That's why Jesus said, say, not all who call me Lord, Lord. Number one, we've already established that for you to be saved, you have to call him Lord. He now even said, not all that say Lord, Lord will be saved. We enter to the kingdom. So in the last day, many will come and say, did we not prophesy in your name? So am I saved or I'm not saved? Is, am I a disciple or I'm not a disciple? So I just I was using that to emphasize that the saved person is a continual follower of Jesus. So he said in that John chapter 3, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so will the Son of Man be lifted. And when he's lifted, those who believe, so we are trying to understand the meaning of the word believe again. Those who believe are those who hold on to him tenaciously, who do not let him go. They are the ones that abide in him. You see, Jesus emphasizes the word abide. You can't touch and walk away. What do you do? You abide. Abide in me. My words abide in you. If except that is happening, don't be deceived. You are not saved. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Many people are, you know, a lot of people have been deceived. A lot of people have been deceived. A lot of people have been deceived. There are so many. There are churches where everybody is in deception. Yeah, because they, have been, they are lying to them with every sermon. If they lie to you every sermon, you keep coming. Just know you have been deceived. And Jesus said it clearly. Hmm. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter this kingdom. That I'm going to come and talk to anointed ministers. And say to them, I never knew you. Why? You are a worker of iniquity. How can you be a worker of iniquity? And somebody is preaching to you that once you are saved, you are always saved. Then just know something, you were never saved. Do you follow my point? Instead of taking that as, con- as a consolation and confidence that you should be well with your soul, look at it and doubt your own salvation. Because if truly you were saved, you cannot be walking in iniquity and be enjoying it and then be using a false doctrine to massage your soul that it's, it's well with you. You should be striving for excellence. You should be striving for perfection in your work with Christ. Yes, in your work with Christ. You have to be because otherwise you're not a true disciple. The point I'm making is this. He said those who are looking attentively, expectantly, steadily, absorbingly, they are the ones that actually believe. I'm putting this side by side, what Jesus said in John chapter 3. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted, so that whosoever believes in him will also be saved. Now, next point. Save, heal, all of them, one word. I hope you're getting my point. The word is the same. The word for salvation covers everything. I would have I didn't think I would quote it, but I would have brought the seven different words that a Schofield used to describe it. A particular Bible scholar, Schofield. That word, salvation. And so when you see that the Bible says sometimes that Jesus healed them all. If you read literally the Greek, he says he saves them all. So the word save and heal is the same thing. So how would they be healed also? That's what I'm making. 
as they look to him attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. And that's what we've been doing for some time now. Our focus is let's look at Christ, not our problems. Like I said last time, there's a prescription I give people these days. If somebody has a serious issue, I don't know what else to tell you because this is the one that solves every problem. Let's take our eyes away from the problem and let's focus on Christ. Let's take our eyes away from the problem. Look, there's something I tell people. Look, try this, all right? Just three months. Oh, yeah, three months is not too long, all right? You've been praying for two years. You've had a problem with no other family, money, health. And you've been praying for years. Can I just ask you? You know, some people, they can travel. What am I travel? Now, if you're like that, stop. What did I say? What do I mean? If you hear that there's one reverend father somewhere in the bush, off the road, you know, you know that place, before a man see that, somewhere on the left, where they go to go and collect water. You remember that place? Is it? Is it Natch or Natch? Which of the two? This is a boutique way of pronouncing it. Can you say in the way that a Chinese man like me can understand? Nachi. <laughs> okay. How many people remember that place? One day I was passing there. I saw everybody carrying the car. I thought they were selling oil or something. I thought it was a market. Until I found out that they said there's one stream or spring. And of course, the Okada people there, the price is, what's your need? Are you in the pool of Siloam? No, you have no man. You can't be Okada. I carry 4,000 naira. What kinds of price? People like that kind of thing. When they hear that, ah, Umaopa is coming to Abakliki. You leave Enugu, go and look for healing. Like, let me just tell you something. Once you have gone to two, three places like that and it has not worked, stop. What did I say? Stop. Next place you go to is Billy Akoni's shop. You've gone to different shops. Pardon me for using the word shop, all right? <laughs> we say, why Billy Akoni? Because Billy Akoni is not promising you any miracle. He will disciple you for Christ. You will hear the word of God five hours non-stop. This is what people think a pastor can preach for long. Billy Akone has not preached to you. That's why you are talking to me like that. If brother Billy catches you, he knows when he starts. He does not know when he's planning to stop. And if you decide to go to his camp, did he force you to come? You will hear the word of God. You will be tired. That is the way you will get healed. That's how your problem will go away. That's what I'm telling you. That's the kind of thing you need. Some people will never go to the looking for somebody always looking for miracle up and down. Somebody who's claiming to do miracles. I'm not saying don't go at all. You've gone to two, three. I say it's enough. Just stop. This time around, take your eyes off the problem and look for where somebody is lifting Christ up persistently. That's why I get the example of Brother Billy. <laughs> because you can lift Christ up above your head for seven hours. You go look attentively. Especially, you will look. That's what you need. That's what you need. That is what you need. That's what I'm making. So I'm giving somebody as a challenge now. You've been praying for years. Leave that thing for now. Just take three months in which even if, if it is a leg that is paining you, you won't talk about it. You will suffer it gently. And say, Lord, I will not discuss this with you for three months. In those three months, what am I going to do? I am going to focus on Jesus Christ alone. I will focus on him alone. I will just be looking at my life. How I can improve my 
the quality of my soul as a Christian. So I'll be more like Christ Jesus. I'll be paying attention to my life. Looking for how I can cool down this my hot temper. I'll pay attention to my life. Knowing so that I can tell the truth and never have to tell a lie. It's training. I hope you're getting my point. He said, discipline yourself, Paul wrote to Timothy, for the purpose of godliness. Say, Lord, I'm going to take three months. If I'm hungry, let me just tell you, I will not beg you for food. In those three months. I won't ask for anything. All my prayer requests will be centered around Christ being formed in me. I will tell and listen to stories about Christ. Sometimes I I want to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What are you looking for? I just want to know about this Jesus. Sometimes take it and say, let me underline the number of times he says, do not be afraid. How will he help you? doesn't matter. I just want to know. You fill your head, fill your life with the knowledge of Christ. Now, listen to what I'm saying to you. At the end of three months, you will wonder why you've been praying for so long. Because many of the things you've been praying about, you, in fact, you won't even remember. To be two more months later, you will look back and say, wait, oh, I used to be obsessed with this. What happened? So I've gone away. Sometimes the problem has been solved. Other times, you don't realize that was not even a problem. The peace of God that passes all understanding will have entered into your life. One major problem we have, we created, we preachers, sometimes in trying to preach faith to people, is that we focus not on faith, but on their problems. So people are always looking for how to solve their problems. They are not focusing on the serpent that is on the cross. They are not. There's a particular scripture we know, I think I quoted it last time. Let's just read it briefly. Isaiah chapter 10. I like to read in context. So we'll start from verse 24. It's a portion that's very popular in Christianity. So therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not fear the Assyrian who strikes you with the rod and lifts up his staff against you the way Egypt did. For in a very little while, my indignation against you will be spent and my anger will be directed to their destruction. The Lord of hosts will arouse a scourge against him like a slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb and his staff will be over the sea and he will lift it up the way he did in Egypt. Now please notice verse 27. So it will be in that day that his burden will be removed from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be broken because of... Now, if you have a King James, it's a popular one. Because of what? The anointing. Yes. But actually, what the Hebrew says, if you read other modern translations, they will say the yoke will be destroyed because of fatness. Amplified says the yoke will be destroyed Because of fatness, which prevents it from going around your neck. Now, what does that tell you? People are bound by yokes because their neck is thin enough for the yoke to go around. Do you get my point? And when God wants to break the yoke, what it does is that it makes you unyokeable. Did you hear what I said? Many people are always trying to pray. Ancestral curses, which is after me. I said, leave that thing. Now, I'm being honest with you. I am being very honest. I'm an African. If you... <laughs> and because I called myself Chinese earlier. I'm not Chinese. Do I look Chinese to you? 
this modern day that everybody is from every country. They said Donald Trump's daughter married a Nigerian. I quickly went to look at the picture. And I said, one on your I said, what is this? He said, it's a Lebanese Nigerian. Ah. I said, okay, you didn't marry a Nigerian. Stop deceiving me. Do you get my point? I expected to see him, you know, like my cousin, that kind of thing. I didn't see. <laughs> one day, you know, I, I'm not very good with football. Do you understand? So when it was World Cup, that would be like four years ago. Or eight years ago. We were watching football. So I said, France is playing. So I passed the sitting room. We watching my sitting room. So I said, I thought they said France was playing. He said, yes, France is playing. I said, where's the French team? And everybody started laughing at me. I said, you guys told me that France is playing now. Where is the French team? Because everybody on that pitch was black. He said, look, they want to play for the left. Hmm? It's a French team. I said, why are they all black? He said, France is a black nation. Let's leave it like that. <laughs> The Lord is good. <laughs> so it's these days that you don't know who's from where. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> the Lord is good. But what I'm just trying to say to you is that just for now, eh, suspend that. Believe me when I tell you I'm African. All right? Can you believe that? Do you think your faith can carry that? I hope you know my grandfather has also worshipped idols. Ah, you don't know that? My ancestors worshipped idols. They sacrificed all kinds of things to all kinds of shigidis. They worshipped Ogun, they worshipped Obatala. They, I don't even know the one they worshipped. That is all of them, I don't know. I'm sure there were witches in my family too. I must have had one auntie that joined Kovu. How ah, can you be in Africa? I don't know if your aunties joined the Kovu. Or you don't have. You had. You don't lie to me. There must be one Babala somewhere that's con- that maybe your, your uncle, your great-grandfather's cousin was a Babala. Somebody there was a slave trader too. They planted trees in our compound too. I hope you're getting my point. When I was young, those days, when we go home, all right, I see saw people running around with cowries around their waist. Do you follow my point? Yes. yes. I mean, I saw it too now. It didn't mean anything to me, but I'm just saying it happened. So don't think that uh, uh, I came from a place where my grandfather was a, was a redeemed pastor. Listen. <laughs> I didn't go from there at all. Yet, I have never prayed in my life against ancestral curses. I have never prayed against witches chasing me. I have never prayed against anything they are bearing anywhere. I have never done it. I have never done it. I took almost 10 minutes trying to prove to you that I'm African before I made this statement. See, you chasing ancestral curses and things buried against you, now you get a problem. It's not those things they buried. Let me ask you one question. Be honest. Don't answer it openly. Open, answer it in your heart. Who have you ever seen that thing work for? Apart from the man doing the deliverance, who's changing his cars, you know, he's building his house, he's paying his children's school fees from your consultation money. No, just go and st- let somebody testify that was not I was that is not somebody that they put on the stage, so, personal friend. That after they dug up that thing in our compound in the village, was when my problem stopped. Go and find one for me. You just go around believing lies. Let me tell you something again. There's no family. It is, see, they have a saying in, um, it's an African proverb anyway, so different people lay claim to it. So all the lizards are lying down. You don't know the one that has stomach ache. They all have their bellies. They are lying on their bellies. You don't know this one, which one that has stomach ache. All of us, you know, we get a problem. Nobody will not get. 
Even the rich, they also cry. Don't make it look like something is worrying you that it has not worried people before. For that reason, you think your problem is ancestral nonsense. I've seen people suffer all kinds of things. Rich and poor. Rich man is sick. Go to hospital. He won't go. Why? He says, if I go, I will die. With all the money he has. One of my colleagues was treating one very wealthy guy in worry. The guy had a particular injury that could have been solved easily by surgery. But it was going the hard way. Why? The man was certain that the day he goes to that hospital, he will not come back alive. Yet if it is money, he had it in abundance. Everybody get a problem. That's what I'm going to emphasize to you. So don't be using your own problem to be everybody's after you. Why am I saying this today? Don't deceive yourself. You are not that. You are important to God. You are not that important to witches. <laughs> Do you get my point? Nobody is conspiring against you. Hey, leave that thing. I said all of this, all right? The African thing. I have never prayed against ancestral curses. Never. Never. I have never prayed. I have never investigated. Me too, I have had bad dreams. So. I think I have not had bad dreams. You know why witches don't chase me at night? It's a dangerous thing. You can't go run. When you come, I will pursue you. If I wake up, I go back to sleep. You will jump the fence. I will jump the fence after you. I will just be having fun so I can come and tell your story after. So they don't bother. They come chasing you simply because they know you will run and they will get their daily exercise. When they are, I've heard different people preach. I'm saying, when you finish preaching, demons will pursue you. I say, so what, what I've been doing all this while, these years, is not preaching, have you? Say, so I finished preaching. Okay, Muti has one friend, a cousin. I say, anytime he finishes preaching, he can't sleep. He has to go and pray because the demons are coming. Yeah, they know you are waiting for them, so they will come. When I finish preaching, I go home, I eat, and I sleep. And I bl- in fact, there have been times I tell my wife, I feel like watching a movie. Say, I pray all night be- be- because I pray. There's one movie I'm supposed to see, everybody's talking about, and they say, Pastor, see this movie. I collect it. That's the night. The only problem I have, my wife knows. The movie is two hours. Good dash with 30 minutes. 15, and then if you're not a fast paced movie, I quickly just fall asleep. 30 minutes. For where? 15 minutes into the movie. Next thing that, in fact, it's my wife that I wouldn't sleep off first unless it's a romance movie. If it's not romance, you know, why do women love romance? My wife would never fall asleep if they are doing romance in a movie. <laughs> Sometimes I tell her, I say, okay, it's a movie. She will sit there and watch the whole thing from beginning to the end, Sunita. <laughs> but me, I have fallen, look, look, look. I fall asleep. Demons, movies can't keep me awake. Demons can't keep me awake. I finished preaching. I'm going to sleep. I don't care where I preached. I am going to sleep. I preach in all kinds of places. I am going to sleep. I hope you're getting my point. Uh-huh. How am I saying this? What delivers you, please, that's what I'm emphasizing again. He said the yoke, he said his burden will be removed from your shoulders and is yoke from your neck. 
that the yoke will be broken because of what? Fatness amplifies it, which prevents it from going around your neck. It's spiritual leanness that makes demons pursue you up and down. Of course, you know this is not the first time you're hearing me say this. I say, if they can pursue me, why they have not tried? Somebody want to pray. I bind demons from pursuing me. During... My only is that you, you can't pursue. Pursue now? What nonsense? Listen. You've heard me say it many times. Spiritual information, knowledge, is not just intellectual information. It's spiritual things. It's empowerment. Fatness. The fatness of your soul comes from the infusion of the truth of God. Maybe one of the things that helped me, let me quickly tell you, so it's not, don't think I was born like that in our family, that's how we are. No. What helped me was that those early days, the first exposure I had to this real study of the word of God was the overcoming spirit in Christ Jesus. That's what we're taught. In fact, we're so, we're so taught we became arrogant. Do you get my point? We're so taught we became pompous. The, among the first things I learned was greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Among the first things I learned, I'm talking about 1985, 86, 87, particularly in that 1987. The things we learned was what we are in Christ Jesus. Ken Hagin has this little pamphlet called In Him. And you're supposed to take those In Him scriptures and read them to yourself every day. That was what we did. It's the reason why you hear me quote this a lot. Of, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. That's why I read it from. In him. Please go and get the book. In him. That's the name of the book. In him. That is in Christ. It tells you what you are in Christ. That you are seated in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. In Christ. The first things we learned. If I still remember some of our brethren telling us that, look, that they don't have to even call the name of Jesus to drive out demons. I thought we became pompous. Did I not tell you that? We became arrogant. That in themselves, they are, senior, they are senior to demons. So as far as whatever they do, like demon, move it. Me, I, I, I fear, man, not greedy to do that one. I say, in Christ, I can do that one. <laughs> but what they were trying to say is that we have been redeemed. We have been, free, you know, recreated. The new man in Christ Jesus is superior to every devil. The new man, you know, that's what we're taught. That was the first thing I learned. Maybe that's why I behave like that. I believe like that since then. Talking about 1986-87 till this year, 2022. Maybe that's why. Was among the first things we learned that we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. I was taught very early that as a believer in Christ Jesus, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. This modern generation, that's the Christian running away, running to say ancestral causes pursuing them. Say, did you give your life to Christ? If you are not sure, come. Let's baptize you again. Let's push inside one gorodom of water. No go gorodom. <laughs> we push you inside somewhere, keep you there for like a few seconds. When you think you are dead, we'll bring you out. Now you are saved. Say after me, Jesus is my Lord. I will live for him. Hey, come out, you are free. Then we lay hands on you that you may be filled with the Spirit. So you can walk in boldness. That's how I was taught. That's how I was raised. That knowledge increases your neck spiritually. 
You know one thing I want to clearly show us here? Next point I want to make. Do you know Jesus? One day I was studying my scriptures. Quickly open to this. Peter was the one speaking. He was speaking in the book of Acts chapter 2. There's nothing I've said that's unique to my colleagues or my brethren on campus those days. It belongs to everybody who's a believer. I hope you're getting my point. If you're not around on Saturday, try and get the message we preached last Saturday. In our New Man and New World series, it should be around number seven or so. There is a first man, the old man Adam, and there's a new man. And Jesus in the book of John chapter 20 breathed into his disciples and they were recreated inside them. And that, I found out, was actually what he was calling that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Acts chapter 2, I said you should open to that, right? Let's look at what Jesus, uh, Peter said concerning Christ. And don't forget, this was what Jesus taught them. You know, he was with them for weeks after the resurrection. Teaching them truths. You need to know truth in this life. I hope you're getting my point. You need to know truth. I don't like recommending movies when I'm preaching, but I've seen movies over the years that help me to explain things. There's a particular movie. I will think about whether many of you have seen all kinds of things. You probably know it. But there, the chosen one in that particular movie, you know which movie, don't bother telling me. I don't like advertising movies in my messages. They told him, you know, basically, the main man who discovered him that he's the chosen one was trying to train him to realize his potential. And these are men that could dodge bullets because of activities inside them. So he, as that man was talking to him, he said, are you trying to say that when I attain this my potential, I will be able to dodge bullets and move as fast as these agents who are pursuing us? That guy said, no. What I'm saying to you is that when you get to that point, you won't have to dodge. You know, when I see things, I see from a spiritual perspective. You know, knowledge... That's what I'm telling you. Look, I, growing up in the culture in the West, where I grew up, even though I won't say like my friends that was into occultism in the house when I, I was born going to a Catholic church, so I didn't have that experience. Okay? But we, the gist is around. So we used to hear things like, if you want something to answer to you, do you get my point? Go and learn the name it is called. I don't know whether you get my point. So we used to watch movies, watch dramas and stuff. All right? They would say, listen, I will tell it his name. And when I tell it his name, it will answer to me. And in this thing I'm telling you, a few years ago, I read Rick Joyner. Rick Joyner is not an African. He's an American preacher, a prophet. And he reminded us in his book, right, when I was reading it, of Rumpelstiltskin. I hope you remember. Rumpelstiltskin. Who helped... A woman, I can't remember the details of the story now, but she, he, she pledged the child that she would have, all right, for the king, all right, to give to Rumpelstiltskin. It was a, a mysterious figure. And then when it was time to collect the child now, she didn't want to part with the child. So the man now gave, him, gave her a condition. If you can know my name. And Rick Jonah said, that thing is not just a story, that is a spiritual key. And now, I was giving a story from an African perspective. Now, um, um, Rick Jenner was not, this is a, is a white man, he's an American, giving background to explain how spiritual things work. When he said, I remember, oh, as children, we learned this. 
So you, we used to play with it in school. Maybe you, you, you want to give, maybe pluck mango that's so high. Someone would say, the problem is that we don't know the name of mango. If we knew the name of mango, we'll call it and tell it to come like to come down from that tree for us. And like, hey, how can we find out the name of mango? And we knew what they were saying. That it's not just find out whether it is um, Musca domestica, that's a housefly, but <laughs> just, it's not the botanical name they are talking about here. They are talking about the spiritual name that carries the fruit. That if we had knew the name, it would answer to us. And I found out the Bible says that the mention of the name of Jesus, it's not a joke, the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. If you go to Revelation, God said, I will give him a new name which nobody knows apart from the one who has the name. Names are not jokes. One of my friends say, see, knowledge in spiritual things, eh? it empowers you. It, it empowers you. And the greatest knowledge you can have in life is Christ Jesus. That's what I'm making. So don't go and be seeking to know the name of fruit <laughs> or name of a rock. Just seek the name to know that name of Jesus. Because when you know it, at the mention of that name, whether I know the name of mango or rock or not, every knee does what? Bows. Every knee bows. The problem the church has had is that we've been teaching ourselves a lot, a lot of jokes. We want to learn principles. We want to learn how to sow. We don't learn the name. That name, Jesus, is deep. The Bible talks about the breadth, the depth, the height. Inside the name of Jesus, look, go and read Revelation. Jesus used to describe himself in the family where he's studying it. Every time you get to Revelation, to talk to one church, he that has the keys of David, who opens the door and no one shuts, who shuts the door and no one can open, says this. That's the name. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says this. He that has a double-edged sword says this. He that holds the seven stars in his hands, each one, go and check it, is always a name. You describe a name. So just talk about Jesus alone. J-E-S-U-S, it has not solved your problems. Because they are footballers. It's a common name in South America. But if you see one Escravos Jesus, it doesn't save anybody. Why? He doesn't hold the seven stars in his hands. He's not the one that holds the keys of David. He's not the one that will open the door and no one can shut and shut the door and no one can open. Do you follow my point here? I'm saying believers, it's, that's the assignment we have. When we say we are Christians, it's not just I go to church. You should be able to tell somebody about Jesus. Like I tell when you say Jesus is the healer. Learn about him. It's not how he heals. Just knowing that the name healer is really his name. That there's no serpent he cannot shut down. Whether it's a genetic serpent, an infectious serpent, immunologic serpent, a poison serpent, that is somebody drank poison, drank sniper, drank insecticide. There's no name. There's no serpent he can't shut down. There's none. So when you call him Jesus the healer, it's not, ah, Jesus is a genetic disease, you know. It's very good with infections. No. When he says the healer, you know that the mention of his, not just the name of Jesus as in J-E-S-U-S, but the person who you are calling, that name means authority. Even cancers die. That's what believers are supposed to seek, to know these things, to know it. Like I said, let's stop focusing on our problems. Focus on learning who Jesus is. Oh, I like that revelation, please. I'll come back to this Acts, but okay, let me just use another device. All right, so that I don't close the one I have in the book of Acts here. 
Oh, good enough. He's even staying open in my Bible because we're reading it in the house this morning. You see, each time he wants to speak, he will say something. So, just, just give me a second. Just go through that. When he begins to say, he said, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, that's the church, says this. Then he begins to tell you, To the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, The first and the last who was dead and has come to life. That's his name. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write, The one who has a sharp, Two-edged sword says this. It's Jesus that has a sharp two-edged sword that conquers all his enemies with that. Brings down the Antichrist and the beast with his sword from his mouth. He also called him the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze. He described him to the angel of the church in Sardis. You tell them this or tell him this. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. You continue like that. To the one in Philadelphia. What is his name? He who is holy. Who is true. Who has the key of David. Who opens and no one will shut. And who shuts and no one opens. The amen. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. That's in verse seven. That's chapter 3. Verse 14 I just read now. Now, these are the names that he described himself by in that book of Revelation. That's what you should seek to understand. That's the job of a believer. Take your eyes away, like I said, for the problem from the problems in your life. Even from, no, listen, just health challenge, just take your eyes away. I say, Jesus, let's know you now. Paul, after all the work, what did he say? What did he say was pursuing? That what? I may know you. Oh, God. The world gives us agendas that God didn't give us. And we often fall for the agenda of the world. That I may succeed. That I may prosper. That's a worldly agenda. The agenda that God has given us is that we may know him. And the power of his resurrection. I was saying, knowledge is not intellectual acquaintance with facts. It is empowerment in spiritual things. You know why I don't pray against witches? Not joking about it. I have never... look. My children only hear me talk about witches when, I, when they come for Bible studies. Because I say things like this. My wife has never, we're praying in the house, every witch that's against who? Where? It has never fallen from my mouth by accident. Ever. I didn't even know I was supposed to preach about it. When you hear a lot of nonsense every time. Testimonies. It's those testimonies that annoy people will be dead. Hmm. Not in their head. Mm. And then the witch began to confess. They said that they are the ones that didn't let her, my father prosper for a long time. And our family, them was always sick. Is the witches. And then they have now confessed. And you will have said, praise God. The anointing in this ministry. Amen. The anointing that scatters witches. Hey, hallelujah. And I'm looking at all of them. I'm saying, shame on all of you. You can't even understand that even if that thing were to be true, it is not the kind of testimony you should give. You should be too embarrassed. I told you the reason why. Because I was taught early that this person I just described, in him I live, in him I move, and in him I have my being. I was taught that very, very early. I said you should open somewhere, right? Acts chapter 2. We need to explain this principle here. Talking about the anointing, 
the fatness, this growth that comes to your soul as a result of imbibition of spiritual truth and the height of the spiritual truth is the knowledge of who Christ is. Peter was speaking. Men of Judea, in verse 14, and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. Now, if you want to know when people were falling under the power, I hope you know they were falling under the power here. Some people thought that they said they were drunk because they were speaking strange languages. Those of you who have drunk before, did alcohol teach you Greek? Okay, all of you are keeping quiet. But okay, have you ever seen a drunk man that alcohol taught him how to speak Greek? Have you ever seen a drunk man that alcohol taught him how to speak for full day? Like I say, I want to speak Igbo, and I'm going to go and buy 10 bottles of Gouda. I finished drinking it, say, today I will speak Igbo. I'm not going to speak Igbo just because I drank 10 bottles of Gouda. So when they said these people were drunk, it was not because they were speaking in other tongues. It was because they were staggering. Some were falling under the anointing. That's why they said they were drunk. That's just as an aside. So that you get to know truth. Alright? So these are not drunk as you suppose. I'm jumping because of time now. When verse um, 15. For it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And he went and said all those things. I'm jumping to verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hand of godless men and put him to death. Now listen to verse 24. If you are there, read with me. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. That is the power of death. Did you notice that? Now what I want you to notice is what he said. God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death. Why? Since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. One day I read this, and those scriptures jumped into my face, if I may use that expression. He did not say God raised him from the dead because he pleased him. He said God raised him from the dead. Why? It was impossible for him to be held further under the power of death. And this was the illustration that came to my mind. Assuming I take a plastic, heavy plastic container, all right, full of water, I take the bottom of the ocean or a, a big lake, all right, then. I managed to extract the water inside it and fill it with air. Do you get me? All right? So before, I had this container, 50 liter, uh, all right, container. Then I opened it, extracted all the water inside, filled it with air, and capped it back. And I leave it under the ocean. And I leave it there. What's going to happen? It's going to start racing to the top. Can I get to the top before it? <laughs> no, no. I don't know what they want to use to pull me. That thing is just going to jet out. Boom! It's rushing to the top in a hurry. Why? It is impossible for it to be held under the power of the weight of water. You know why Jesus rose up from the dead? It was because 
having been justified, the Bible says, in spirit, it was impossible for him to be held further by the power of death. It wasn't like, hey, let's raise him from the dead. He had to get up. The force of life that came to him as a result of justification in the spirit, after he had paid for our sins. Now, for your information, were it not that he was paying for our sins, it was impossible for him to die in the first place. It was impossible for him to die in the first place. The reason why he was able to die. Now, you're not getting me. I'm talking about ability to die. You need the ability to die. People don't die just because death happened. They were given over to the power of death. The way Jesus was, it was not possible. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. That is, if you take him against a wall, pin him against the wall, do you understand? And then you go and take a cement truck loaded with 30 tons of cement, and you rushed and hit him, bam, against a concrete wall. The truck will crush to pieces. The man that you ran it against will come out from the wreckage and walk away as if nothing happened. It's called the power of life. You couldn't get him to die. It was impossible. No, it was not possible. He had, life is a substance. He had to lay down. I lay down by myself. That's what he said. This is where I'm going. Death, now, sin had to be paid for. So in his dying, we don't want to talk about that. Once he had made the full payment for our sins, the Bible says he also was justified in spirit. The moment that was done, like that container at the bottom of water, he just rose rapidly to the surface. Now this is where I'm going. So he came met his disciples. And he said, peace be unto you. He now took them one by one and did what? And breathed into them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now listen, it wasn't the Holy Spirit that came on the day of Pentecost. We've talked about that before. It was the new life that he had not obtained from the Father for their sake. He said, the Son has life in himself. Do you get my point? And he gives life to whomsoever he wills. So what he did that day was to give life to each one of them. That was what Paul meant. When he said, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit went there to go and wake Jesus up. No. What happened was that that spirit of Christ, that justified spirit of Christ, was what made him get up from the dead. Paul now said, if that same spirit dwells in you, how did you first get it? The day he came, he met them in that room, he breathed into each one of them. He said, receive that same spirit. It's called the spirit of Christ. He said that if Christ is in you by that same spirit, the same spirit that raised him from the dead will give what? Life to your mortal body. What am I trying to say? If indeed Christ is in you, then life is coming gradually but persistently into your mortal body. I hope you're getting my point. It is called the force of life. It's a process. It's working. That container I told you about, as soon as it's very deep, you know some of these oceans are really deep. Three kilometers, you are still going down. You understand? This is, that's why we... It should take it a while, you know that. Is it going to reach the surface in like two seconds? No, for some of them, you'll be surprised. It's so far down, it will continue moving. Ten minutes, fifteen minutes, maybe thirty minutes. It takes to get to the surface. But guess what? Nothing is stopping it. Nothing is stopping it. What am I trying to emphasize today? The spirit of Christ that is in you. Now, if you're, if you're, if you're a believer in Christ, can you just wave your hand? So I can be sure I'm talking to you. You're a believer in Christ Jesus. By that waving of hand, you are making a claim. So don't, don't just, don't think your hand is too heavy. Give, 
use your, you say you have little strength. So that little strength, use it to wave that hand. By that waving of hand, all right, you are saying I'm a believer in Christ Jesus. By that waving of hand, you are saying, <laughs> wave this hand. I don't want you to rubbing their knee. They say they are waving hand. You are claiming something here. You are claiming something here. By that waving of hand, you are saying I'm a believer in Christ Jesus. By that waving of hand, you are saying all things have passed away. By that waving of hand, you are saying my sins are forgiven. By that waving of hand, you say I rose up with Christ Jesus. By that waving of hand, you are saying the same spirit that raised him from the dead is in me. And is giving life to my mortal body. By that waving of hand, you are saying every infirmity, every disease, every degeneration, every serpent is removed in the name of Jesus. By that waving of hand, you are saying I'm a believer. And that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is giving life to my mortal body. Amen. Put that hand down. What am I trying to say? That is the principle of healing. It's the principle. So what am I trying to say? Alright? Now, going off from that, is that, you know the assignment we have? Is to build up that spirit inside us. The more that spirit is built up, the more infirmities leave us alone. What did I say? The more that spirit is built up, uh-huh. The more infirmities, that's it. If that's why the prescription I give everybody now, let's not focus on the infirmity. Let's focus on what? The Christ, the name of Christ, the meaning of his death and resurrection. Let's focus on that Christ that was raised on the poor for us. Let's focus on him. He said, as we focus on that, he said, the yoke is destroyed because we are growing fatter and fatter. By the day. Next time they bring a yoke, they say, no, this one is too fat. So something drops off. Bring another yoke. The one they could yoke you with some time ago, it doesn't work again today. They are, of course, they are able to listen to them. They've explained this simple one. That is, you have to bad, you used to have bad dreams. You didn't know when it stopped. I'll tell you when it stopped. You started coming to church. It's not everything you have to fire bad dreams and revoke you in the name of Jesus. Bad dreams. Sometimes you don't you even dream the bad, you say, bad dream. You know what happened today? Bad dreams say I'm busy. Because bad dream will have known something you don't even know. After that service you went for, you added weight. Have you bought, you, have, you know, there's a shirt you had. You didn't, you know, you've not worn it for some time. One day you not take it. You want to wear it. Ah, you are squeezing. <laughs> Let me know what happened to me in university. Just to make you laugh. My friends, I had, and I developed one habit one day. We started eating burger every night. All right? Oh, we're eating. Burger, yes. Now, it's not hamburger, it was moi burger. You didn't know it was moi burger. <laughs> we had, do you know we had this spot? <laughs> we had funny habit, we had this spot. These guys used to come up with this, oh my God. I'm just thinking of the moment when I'm, I'm still believing God. <laughs> so we had this bread in Unimed, it was called Obey God. So you're coming, yeah, that's the name of the bread. No, that's not, that's the label, that's the label, Obey God. <laughs> No, literally. You know, it's like I can get bread, but it was baked somewhere around our campus. Used, that's all we ate. In fact, whoever owned that factory must have really made tons of money from us. It was the most popular. All right? So I come from class at night around 10 o'clock. You ate, um, you bought Obey God, then go to the morning, morning place. By <laughs> me and my guy, there are three of us, often with one, one, one of them, stick the thing inside there and be eating. We get to the hostel. Do your refreshing up and all of that, and they finally lie down and sleep. And I was doing that every day. I wasn't thinking of it. You go back to the, you know, the day normally, you eat normally, activity normally. Then at night again, you're coming back <laughs> by the bread. 
you buy the moin, stick it inside, and you are gisting and you are eating. We had a spot in one hostel like we could sit sometimes, you know, high up, you know, like a, we used to call it flyover. You sit down there and just be looking and eating. And, you know, you drink water. We had water flowing from the taps. So it was not a problem. You drink water, you go back to your hostel. Then one day I noticed one funny thing. Someone come and tell me, say, ah, thank you, I didn't wait. I said, why well, you can't on this campus? Can anybody add weight? It's not possible. People are just mocking me. So one day, one sister said, I can see her face. She said, ah, thank you. This stress is plenty. Look at how you are losing weight. I said, God bless you. She was the only one that lied to me. The other people were telling me the truth. I thought she was my friend. But this is what I'm making. <laughs> when I, there, there was a particular day I wanted to dress in the morning. I took a singlet and wore it. And it was so tight. I removed the singlet. I wore another one. That one was tight. I kept on pulling, pulling down like this. I wore another one. Ah! Then why all this my singlet shrinking all of a sudden? It didn't cross this black man's mind. I'm telling you that he was the one gaining weight. So one day to get comfort, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you laugh. I took scissors and cut all my singlets. <laughs> you know, if you know, if, if it's now as a big man, just go and buy new ones. No, I just I thought, what is wrong with these singlets? When did they start shrinking? I thought it was also pretty strong cotton. Because it's not now that people wear body-fitting shirts. Our shirts those were not body-fitting. Body-fitting. So even if I added the weight, your shirt would still be okay. But the singlets were body-fitting. So one day I entered a ward. I was a medical student. I entered one ward. And they had these big scales that could weigh somebody. I stood on the scale. My God. I had gained 8 kg since the last time I weighed myself. 8. Either 8 or 9. Not 7. I moved this case, so it's a lie. I moved this case. Then after I remember that you don't eat moy burger for nothing. That moy burger I've been eating, I gained like 8 kg. 8 kilograms. Not joking about that. My singlet was destroyed because of the anointing. <laughs> Do you get the logic here? The singlet was destroyed because of fatness. I wasn't trying to destroy the singlet, like let's spoil the singlet. I was just eating my moy burger. I was just eating Philippians chapter 2. I was just eating Colossians chapter 1. I was just eating Revelations chapter 2, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, like the ones we're reading now. I'm just, I'm just eating the word of Christ. Just eating, and then the spirit kept on getting bigger and bigger. And small infirmities that used to cling around me, they tried to come, they can't stay. The yoke is destroyed by what? Fatness. How does fatness come? Just con- continue eating your spiro burger. No, they call spiro burger. Your word burger. Continually feed on word burger. Many things just be dropping for your body. And listen, let me say it again. It doesn't care the kind of serpent. There are genetic serpents. Remember we talked about that? There are infectious serpents. There are road traffic accident serpents. There are physical trauma serpents. No matter the serpent, there is none that will not be broken by the fatness, the anointing. Everything is broken by the anointing. Listen. Single man, single woman, let me tell you something. If anybody is chasing, he's not a student of the word. Say, I know they marry. If you like, dash me dollar. I don't want you. I serpent. Devil. Can Christians do worker? They can't. What is the devil? Okay, use your Bible to do like this. Can't use ordinary hand. Use your scripture. Listen, you can't digression. 
You can't have peace in the house if somebody is not feasting on the word of God. See, this December, you know, I'm used to harass all of you. Hmm? This December is my, tw- in a few weeks, we are closing the day before my 23rd wedding anniversary. So, I'm telling you, from experience, there's no, there's no method, though. She have been warning everybody. All those who tell you they want to make your wife happy, they are lying to you. You know why they are lying? They don't know themselves, and they have to sell the book. There's no, see, anybody that's not studying the word, I don't, you know, I tell you, I, the guy is nice. Niceness is of the devil. I hope you like what I said. Marrying a man because he's nice. Go and marry a woman because if you see her cooking, they will use food to send you to hellfire. <laughs> I don't know why to say. You say, yeah, marry a man because he's a big cook. You see, if you can't cook, it doesn't matter. I'll go and buy food. I, no, I, see, I'm not saying cooking is not good, but it's not the primary problem we need. It's not the issue we're trying to solve. Everyone must be a disciple of the word. And listen to me. If you have married, finish. And time to go to church, but your wife now saying that, I think I'm tired. Drag her. What did I say? Yeah. Hey, come, okay? We are going to hear the word. I won't play with my destiny. We are going to hear the word. I don't mind. I'm telling you. You'll be giving an excuse for your wife or your husband. No. Nothing like that. Drag the person to go and hear the word. Why? Because the marital problem is solved by what? Fatness. In-law problem is solved by what? Fatness. Financial quarrel between husband and wife is solved by what? Fatness. It's spiritual fatness that solves the problems. Spiritual fatness. That is what starts problems. That is... Sweetheart, I'm hearing the word. See, take two. You, you hear. Let's put of us be hearing the same thing. And please, eh, I want to, avo- as much as possible, avoid husband is going to hear what somewhere. The one that makes me laugh. <laughs> Look, if two of you are chasing me, please, chasing the same church. Because when you chase in two different churches, that marriage will scatter. Because in one church, they will change the spirit of the other church. I've seen them before. <laughs> As the wives are at the foot of the bed, praying against every enemy, it's pointing at the husband and her soul. So if you want to chase priests, chase it from the same church. I'm telling you the truth. But better still, two of you go to the church where they are hearing the word of God. I've said to you before, even if all they are... See, by the way, by the way, if you are listening to me, I command you, by the authority of Christ Jesus... Stop going to churches where they chase spirits. Where they chase demons, witches. Stop. Go to where they read scripture in sincerity. Even if what they do is sing hymns. All this fine choir. I hope you know it has nothing to do with your destiny. Some people go into church because their choir is good. Half of those choir people, they are not even born again. There's one choir guy. There's little one choir, one church I went to some time ago. Not Nenugu here. No group, I don't know whether I do such things, but sometimes they do. But that guy was an evil spirit. When he's in church, he's singing, I'm looking at him like this. And then I told my wife, This boy is not born again. What's that? Do you know? I don't know. I just have that spirit. <laughs> I said, This boy is not born again. Later, when she found out the truth, I said, And these are people ministering to people, and they said they are worshiping on Sunday. Adulterers, fornicators, evil spirits, leading you in praise and worship. And I wonder why the, why the praise is not passing the city. That's not what will carry you to heaven. I hope, are you, I hope you get my point. 
leave that. You can't be going to church because of silly things like the choir is good. There was one church I went one time. They said, ah, the choir is good. I entered the place. I said to my friend, I said, but this is Jamboree now. It was jam. Do you know what they call Jamboree? It was Jamboree. It was Jamboree. Jamboree. I said, this is not this school now. That's why I came to him. I said, what is all of this? Meanwhile, they thought, oh, if you get there, there, ah, no, the, the, the praise in that place, the praise and worship in that place. So now I go there. I said, this is what you guys call praise and worship. I wanted to sit down. As they were doing the praise and worship, I wanted to sit. I'm serious. My legs wanted to just give so I could sit. I said, this is not worship. This is not praise. This is a show. Can't be choosing church because of appearances. And this funny thing we do these days, please, church, eh? I don't understand it too. I will say it so that at least somebody said it. When I see colored lights, sometimes they say that they, do, they use that one because of um, video. So they used to make it, makes it clearer when they're, okay, I kept quiet. But I cannot understand, why should the light be dancing when I'm preaching? Red light up and down. Oh, but make up your mind. Are you in a discotheque or you have come to church? No, Christians just do some very annoying things. Now be blowing smoke. No, I think they are very bad. I'm serious. I'm being honest. I think they are bad things. Choir minister in church, you are blowing smoke. How will you know when the Shekinah glory comes? <laughs> very fake life that Christians now live. Fake. Fake. All fake. According to Wicked. Fake. <laughs> I don't get it. What is wrong with us? I go to church sometimes. Like, hey, yeah. You guys borrowed this thing from disco. You know. Someone's preaching, light to be flashing. Flash red here, blue here. You know, all kinds of colors will be swinging around the place. And we've turned it to a habit. Go ask smoke, John. Shh. You know, when the gold in the temple has been taken, it's usually replaced with brass. Yes, what we have now is brass worship. The gold is gone. Let me tell you where that smoke came from. Literally, literally. The smoke used to fill the temple from the glory of God. Can I hear again say something happened? You know, he will see the, the, the smoke coming in. It's called the Shekinah. It's called glory. You know, because of the glistening, the way it shines. And that the thing used to knock him down heavily. Sometimes for hours he will not be able to move. So one day he was ministering in church and his eyes opened and he saw the glory coming in. He ran away. He was preaching, he judged go one kind of go. He said, I saw it there. Of course, the people were just falling down. Bam, bam. People were falling all over the place. They were pinned to the floor. And it's in the scriptures, the priest could not stand to minister because the glory had filled the temple. They will not get machine be generating smoke. It cupboard. Now leave the church clear now. So when glory comes, we don't say it comes. We just turn a bad thing to a habit. This is what they do at rock concerts. Come on, put white light in church. Let's see clearly. Don't have those satanic things that will be spinning, spinning. I better go. Let's stop that rubbish. Can we stop it? Please, let's stop it. After the movie, they say, okay, they're, they're, they're just like our background is blue. They say, okay, sometimes they have to use some light to give it a nice background. So, okay, fine. I don't have a problem with that. Some of this one will be looking like you came to a nightclub. It is wrong for church. That's what happens when we have people who don't have the spirit controlling what is going on inside church. 
There are people who come to church, they play drum, they play guitar. They don't believe a word. Those days, that clown in Lagos. You remember that fellow? One day I sat down and watched his choir. I told my wife, can't you see how dead they all are? You could feel the deadness. They're just professional, paid musicians and singers. One man went somewhere one day. You know what happened? They sang, Rock of age is clear for me. Let me hide myself in thee. They were performing. He said, he just knew that the way the woman singing was dressed was funny. She was, her dressing was rather, you know, exposing. And while he was watching, the guy played the keyboard disappeared. Without him realizing it, he had gone into where mediums operate. And one of them walked up to him and began to give, because his wife died not too long before that, he said he wanted to give him a message from the, his departed wife. He carried his bag and said, thank you very much. And he left. Why did I tell the story? They trapped him with singing a church song. He thought it was a church service. They were singing Rock of Ages. No spirit. Dead spirit. I've seen them before. There are churches to go to. The guy on the guitar doesn't care. Yesterday it was, was, was playing for Bonaboy, so it doesn't matter. Anyone. Today for, now who bring money? Let me tell you, pastors, it's better not to have song. It's better than to have people that don't have the spirit being the one ministering to you. It's better. Don't be under pressure to buy equipment. Don't be. If you can't find anybody that can play the keyboard, brethren, sing with your voice board. Everybody open your mouth. Sing hymns. That's why they gave us hymns. Look, as children of those in school, all, the only keyboard we had, I mean, if you had keyboard, I can, I can clap like a roboman. You know, nobody claps like a robo. We clap like some brethren used to clap that eh? You think they are, they are ringing. So we lent it. So we clap. You clap like that. That's good enough. You can't pay keyboard people. Tell the people to clap. Stomp your feet. There's nothing wrong with drumming. And there are two kinds of drums. There's proper drum. There's plastic chair with stick. Everything. The law is okay. I'm bringing people that have evil spirits into church. Because you want the to look too. Praise God. Just want to worship the Lord and Spirit. You are not worshiping any spirit. Why did I talk about that? I don't know. Why did I get it? Apostle. I don't even know. You know why you are doing this work, eh? Anyway, let's get back. What's the main thing we are saying? Listen. Fatness. The yoke is broken by what? Fatness. How does fatness come? We keep on drinking of the Spirit of God. We keep on drinking of the knowledge of who Christ is. We take our eyes away from our problems. But we focus on who Christ is. That's what we are talking about. We focus on who Christ is. We focus on his work on the cross. We do it persistently. We do it expectantly. We do it steadily. We do it continually. We don't break. We make it a habit. Please don't let your wife backslide. Don't let your husband backslide. If you can't carry him forcefully, you pray him into church. Say, Lord, my husband has not come to church for like two weeks now. Or come for Bible study. Not hearing the word of God. God, when he goes out, his car jam, but let him be safe. Ah, so I'm think, powerful prayer. Say this motor, now they drive up and down. Say any business that will not let him come to hear the word, may it not prosper. You are saving your life. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? What is it? Nobody that can prosper will define. 
My husband, it's not this kind of prosperity we are looking for. We have to have what they call the priestly corner of life. In a time in which we are supposed to go and pursue business, but we can't because we are going to church. We are going to hear the word. We are going to fellowship. Serious. And then when you are now your husband, it's even easier. Wife, let's go to church. What's the point we are making? Fatness. Somebody say fatness. fatness. Say the yoke is destroyed. The yoke is destroyed. Because, of because of fatness. Say I'm adding weight. I'm adding weight. Spiritually. Spiritually. My neck, My neck is, growing. is growing. Every bondage. Every, bondage. Every, oppression. Every oppression. Is being broken. Because of fatness. Because of fatness. The fatness by the spirit. Fatness by the, spirit. Fatness by the word. Say I'm increasing. In weight. I'm increasing in knowledge. I'm increasing in the vision of Christ. I'm seeing him clearly. And the yoke is being destroyed. Say, I have the new life. I have that new life. That same spirit. That life that raised Jesus from the dead. It's working in me. It's giving life to my mortal body. Death cannot hold me in his power. Say, death cannot hold me in its power. Say, just like it could not hold Christ Jesus. So that he had to rise up again from the dead. Say, in the same manner, death cannot hold me in its power. Say, that same spirit, that new life, which Jesus breathed into me. Remember, we waved our hands vigorously to show that we are Christians. So we have that life. Everybody inhale. Say that life that I inhale from Christ Jesus. Which Jesus breathed into me. Is giving life to my mortal body. Just like Jesus could not stay dead. I cannot stay sick. Every infirmity. Every affliction. Every oppression. Is broken. Because of the power of life. That I have in Christ Jesus. Let's rise for our feet. Let's read a few scriptures and we can go home. Let's just read a few scriptures. We read some of them last time. Again, please, I'd like somebody to read for us. Somebody quickly read for me. Matthew chapter 8. We read it last time. No, go to Isaiah chapter 53. I would just like to read Isaiah chapter 53. Then we read Isaiah chapter 33. And we read that Romans chapter 8. Okay, somebody's at the back there. Alright, you are going to do Isaiah chapter 53. Let me just um, decide which verse we are starting from. Everybody open your Bibles though, and we are reading it together. Somebody read out for us. Then when she's done, all of us will now read it again together. What we are doing is focusing on Christ Jesus. That's what we are doing. We are focusing on Christ Jesus. You read from verse 3 and read all the way to verse 6. Yes, I think... 3 to 6, Isaiah chapter 53. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our grief he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. 
and by his scorching we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. If you believe this was, give me an amen. Amen. If you believe he was pierced for your transgression, say an amen to that. Amen. That he suffered for your iniquities. Amen. The the chastening, the punishment that brought you well-being fell upon him. Amen. And by his scourging, you have been healed. Amen. If you believe that, say another amen. Amen. Now take 30 seconds and tell him thank you. Say, Father, thank you for sending your son. Christ Jesus, son of God, thank you for taking my punishment. The recruits will say, if you believe, you will show gratitude now. He has paid all your debts. Yes, he paid all your debts. So you should tell him thank you. It's a sign of faith. The recruits will say, the first sign of faith is thanksgiving. So take a few seconds and tell him thank you. That same spirit that caused him to be raised from the dead was what he breathed into you. Say, receive Holy Spirit. Receive Holy Spirit. He breathed into the disciples just like he breathed into Adam at the beginning. Say, and that man became a living soul. Now you are a living soul. You have received the life-giving spirit. That's what Paul said. Say, I'm alive. I'm alive. The spirit of death doesn't have power over me. Every affliction in my body, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, I am healed. Every affliction in my body is removed in the name of Jesus. Quickly, open to Romans chapter 8 and read for us this scripture that we just will be quoting now. Read three verses from verse 9 to verse 11. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen. Say it after me. Say, Christ is in me. Say, Christ is in me. I am not in the flesh. I am not in the flesh. But I am in the spirit. The spirit of God dwells in me. I have the spirit of Christ. And I belong to him. Say, Christ is in me. Say, the body may be subject to death the body may be subject to because, because of sin. Say, yet, yet because, of righteousness, because of righteousness, the Spirit is giving my body life. The spirit is my body life. Yeah, that's what he said there. Say, because of righteousness, because of righteousness life, is life is flowing from my spirit, from my spirit into, my into my body. Say, because of righteousness, because of righteousness which, I because of faith, which I have because of faith, faith in Christ Jesus. Faith in Christ Jesus. Faith is the Son of God. Faith in the Lamb of God. Because of that, I've been made righteous. And because of righteousness, my spirit is alive and is giving life to my mortal body. You know, he said in verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. If indeed you believe, take another 30 seconds and give a lot of thanks for these declarations. 
Say, life is working in me. Life is working in me. Life is working in me. It's a process called the law of process. Life is working in me. Age is not a disease, I keep on saying. It's only allowed to make you wise. Therefore, don't give excuses for Satan. Don't say it's because I'm old. No. But life is working in you. Say, life is working in my eyes. Life is working in my feet. Life is working in my stomach. Life is working in my back. Life is working in my brain. Life is working on my nerves. Life is working in my kidneys. Life is working in my pancreas. Life is working in every part of me. That same life, the life of Christ in my spirit, which is making me of a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I don't have a mind that can be oppressed by the devil. I have a sound mind. I don't have a mind that can be oppressed by the devil. No demon can oppress my mind. They can't speak voices to me. I only hear the voice of God. I only hear the voice of the true shepherd. I only hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I hear the voice of Christ Jesus. But I don't hear the voice of demons. I don't hear the voice of the enemy. I hear only the voice of my father. Say in the name of Jesus. Life coming out of my spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Life is coming out of it. And it's giving me a sound mind. I have a sound mind. Worry is not my portion. I cast all my burden upon the Lord. All the things that trouble me, I cast them upon the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I have a sound mind. I have a sound. Somebody needs to claim that so many times. I have a sound mind. I am not addicted to anything negative. I am an addict of the word of God. I have a sound mind. I don't walk in bitterness. I have a sound mind. I don't walk in unforgiveness. I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. Every obstruction to the flow of life that is coming out of me, I cut it off in the name of Jesus. I cut unforgiveness off in the name of Jesus. I cut off bitterness in the name of Jesus. I cut off worry in the name of Jesus. Spirit flow. Spirit flow. Holy Spirit flow. Flow out of my spirit into every part of my body. The spirit of Christ. I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. Give the Lord thanks for it. Say, Father, I thank you. For all these declarations, I thank you. For everything we have declared, we give you praise. Thank you for perfect health. From the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. Thank you for perfect health. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus we have prayed.